Welcome to Beyond Books, the podcast from the staff of the Novi Public Library. My name is David Silberman. I'm the Electronic Services Librarian, and joining me today is... Hilary Henschel, the Business Librarian. And... Daniel Mazur, Information Services Librarian. In today's episode, we will meet Danielle, our newest Information Services Librarian, and we will be discussing lots of great voting resources, and we will share some of our experiences. Before we dive into the heart of the episode, though, we have a few quick updates about our building and services. First, our iCube is now reopened, and we are taking appointments so that guests can get back into the makerspace to get started on some creative projects. And we know a lot of guests will also be excited to hear that our kits have returned. That includes Steam kits, early literacy backpacks, special needs kits, and book discussion kits. And yes, we do quarantine those materials upon return. For our next segment, we are going to meet our one of our newest staff members here. So Danielle, can you tell us your name, your role, and how new you are here to the Novi Library? Of course, thank you so much for having me. My name is Danielle Mazur, and I am a youth information services librarian. Um, I've been here since the end of August, so I'm still quite new. Um, very, very happy to be working with the staff and seeing all of the Novi community and the guests here that come to use the library. Now, you're so new, she's still finding you know, rooms in this building she may have never been in before. She's yet to find out some of our collections, but it, there's a lot to learn when you join us, so we are more than happy to have you. And Danielle, what collections and programs do they have you working on here? I will be working with the readers. So those are gonna be the books that when your child is just starting to read on their own up until about the beginning chapter books. Um, I'm also taking over the collection of the Storytime backpacks, which are now available to check out. Um, and those are really, really fun, lots of different themes. And you can check them out on our website. And I'm also been doing um, for the past couple weeks and will continue doing Baby and Tot Time, which is a story time that is on Facebook and our YouTube channel, and it premieres every Monday at 11 a.m. Excellent. And what is your favorite part about working here in the month and a half that you've been here? I think my favorite part so far has really been seeing guests in person. Um, the last time that I worked with guests um, at my other library wasn't, I'd say, maybe March. So it's been a long time. Um, it's just not the same when you work curbside or when you speak over the phone. I love seeing guests in person, getting to help them through reader's advisory or whatever questions they may have. And of course, uh, the Novi staff has been really warm and welcoming and helping me kind of get my bearing, not just at a new library, but in this new sort of COVID library world we're living in. It's definitely a different one than we all signed up for. And what are some of your favorite books, uh, bands, movies? I would say movie-wise and music-wise, I really like a little bit of everything. I think this time of year, I'm definitely leaning into the horror genre. Um, I just finished uh, Slade House, which was really good. I'm big into audiobooks, so I take advantage of my commute and listen to lots of good reads. Um, I'd say 
Besides horror, I also like fantasy and historical fiction. So uh, for all of you who are listening to the podcast, who listened to us before, you know that we like to ask our guests uh, one question in every interview, and that is because of our motto, Inform, Inspire, Include, we, we always like to ask, what is inspiring you right now? I think um, what inspires me all the time, but also right now, would be um, people's stories. I like working and being in a very diverse community and um, the unique experiences of guests and where they come from and what they're interested in. Um, it inspires me as a librarian and inspires, um, yeah, just my thinking and, and how I want to help um, those who come to the library and, and get them to meet whatever goals they have. And we thank you for letting our listeners meet you today, and we thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you. Take it away. So for the main topic of our episode today, we're really going to be talking about voting, about getting involved in local government and reaching out to local government officials and just generally information that is useful for you to know as relates to participating in democratic process. So instead of just listing off a bunch of dates and websites and things like that, which you can find on our website and you can find in a lot of places, I thought we would at least start out talking about just real life, like what it's like to you know, be a first-time voter and things you wish you had known and that sort of thing. So the three of us here on the episode today are going to talk about that for a little bit. So I'm just going to start it off with, does anybody have a story about the first time that you voted? Or maybe not the first time, but like a, if there was a particularly interesting or informative experience that you had voting. So my first time voting, I was away at college. So I did the absentee voting thing uh, for that election. That was the 2004 election. Feels like ages and ages ago. Um, that one wasn't particularly exciting, just filling out the thing and sending it back. That was fine. Um, the next election I was actually home for, and I, I actually remember running to, to my poll because I was that excited for that election to get out and vote. Uh, the polling location was about a quarter mile away from my house. So it wasn't that far of a run, but I was just that inspired. Um, that, that's the story of my first time voting. My first time voting was in the 2008 election, and it was very, very exciting to be a part of. I feel lucky I had a very positive experience voting. Um, my polling place was at uh, the elementary school that I went to, which was in my subdivision at the time. And so it was kind of this amazing feeling of going back to a place that you grew up and you know, you're an adult now and you can cast your vote. And um, I did it in person. and. I, I was just, I was so excited that I got to be a part of that election and um, it's, it's definitely been different since 2008. <laughs> yeah, my first time voting was in the 2008 election as well and I voted absentee because, uh, in part because I was not in my home state at the time uh, and just my home state is a swing state and I wanted to be able to vote, uh, feel like my vote maybe counted a little bit more than it might in a state where the, the outcome was maybe a little bit more certain. Um, so I don't remember that very vividly. I do remember very vividly uh, that I found out that uh, I was pregnant with my son, my first child, uh, on election day 2016. 
Um, and so like I went straight from the doctor to the to the polling place, you know, to cast my vote in that election and just feeling like sort of connecting these like major things going on. Of, you were voting for two. Uh, yes, and thinking about now that my vote is not just for me, but it is for my family and what I want for my family. And then all elections since that time, I have taken my kids with me to the polling place to vote with me. They love getting the sticker that says future voter um, and just involving them in the way that I can in that democratic That's so process. Cool. Um, I love that. Because I, I want them to be excited to cast their first vote when they're old enough to do it and to be a part of it in any way that they can. So what is something you wish someone had told you about voting when you were younger? Are there things that you found out later on that you wish you had known before about voting or about um, learning about the issues or resources that you wish you had known about um, when you were casting votes as a younger person? And what you brought up at the beginning about um, local elections, and I, I feel like when I was younger, it was all about the presidential election. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I really understood the importance of participating in local elections and you know knowing and being formed about um, the candidates in your community and how that can have a huge impact on you. So I wish I would have learned and, and had been more aware probably at a younger age um, but I'm glad that I feel the need to educate myself definitely now. I agree. Like you said, they say all politics is local, and especially in an election year like this, I feel like a lot of the local stuff just gets lost in in the forest for all the craziness of the world right now. And I, I've had a tough time finding information about local races beyond all the junk mail that shows up every day or two, sometimes several each day. Um, and without, you know, with the decline of local newspapers and local press, it, it seems like people are more reliant on inaccurate sources to get the information about those candidates. So I've always tried to take one of the voting guides home with me to really go through my ballot before so that I'm prepared to actually know who I'm voting for, if not fill out the ballot at home before. Um, so I would usually take a voting guide from either the League of Women Voters, which I'm sure Hillary will be discussing in a minute. Uh, so I, I would always try to do my homework as best as I can based on their responses to the questions that they were asked. But even that is frustrating when a lot of them don't submit their answers in time for inclusion in those voting guides. Yes, and, and that's, a, that's a great segue into talking about the voter guides. Uh, the League of Women Voters puts out a nonpartisan voter guide, and there is a general Michigan guide, and there's an Oakland County guide that gets into the specifics of the, of the more hyper-local elections. And we have both print guides here at the library at all service points. So if that's something that you want to, to check out, please come in and grab a copy. We have plenty. They're also online, and if they don't make it into the print publication, if they submit their answers too late, you will still see those answers online. So um, if you don't um, have the ability to, to do that from home, we can you know, help you find those resources in our building at one of our computers as well. I, I agree with both of you guys about the importance of local elections. And I think something that maybe isn't as apparent if you don't take the time to do that homework is when we can see in our country that the divide between the two major political parties seems to be getting you know, wider and wider and there seems to be more and more polarization between the two. And I think maybe people don't always realize that the more local that you get, the less 
divisive, you're going to find those races. You're going to find that both of the major parties are going to have more common ground at your local level than they are at the federal level. And that you might find that even if you typically vote one way in quote unquote bigger elections further up the ticket, that you might find more in common with somebody on the other side of the aisle lower on your ballot. And that it can be very helpful to do that homework to realize where those things are because you, you there might be an issue on the other side of the of the aisle, so to speak, that you feel that you disagree with your major party on, but there's a local candidate who is with you and they, you know, they agree um, with that 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 difference, uh, so to speak. So you might find that you have um, some common ground with local candidates in a way that you might not always find with people who are higher up on your ballot. And that's why that's one of the reasons why I think local elections are very important. They are going to have the biggest impact on your day-to-day -day life. I mean, your your mayor and your county executives and your, I mean, you know, obviously there's a big conversation going on about Supreme Court nominations at the federal level, but we have the ability to vote for our Supreme Court justices at the state level, and that election is happening this November as well. Obviously, there's been a big decision from the Michigan uh, Supreme Court recently about the governor's uh, emergency powers and things like that. So, I mean, these are things that impact our day-to-day -day lives, um, sometimes even more than what's happening at the federal level. And so doing that homework and taking the time to get to know those candidates can help, you know, help you make an informed vote um, because those people are, are going to be representing you uh, for the next term, so. And that's a great point because, you know, a lot of the times you're, you're voting with with your neighbors. You might not have everything in common with them, but generally speaking, those are the going to be the people you have more common with than the people living halfway across the country. Um, so I, I think that one, even splitting your ballot, it's not like you have to pick either straight ticket this or straight ticket that. A lot of the times, I've split my vote um, based on who I whose responses I like best and who my neighbors might say good things about and who who I just think match up best with my worldview. Absolutely. And I think uh, sometimes it can feel like your vote doesn't matter uh, in certain elections, especially the larger elections. You think, what's my one vote? But at the local level, if you look at the results after the fact, you're going to see that the total number of votes cast for some of these elections is quite small. That's in part, I think, because some people choose not to vote in some of the smaller elections because they don't feel informed, they don't have a strong opinion, and so they, they don't vote in all of the, the, the races that they could vote in. But some of it is just because there are only so many people who get to make a decision about a local court, about your local representative in, you know, in the Michigan uh, you know, state Congress and, and that sort of thing. And so your vote matters more at the local level in some ways than it does at the federal level because there are fewer people who are voting on those issues. I know um, I, I grew up a little bit on the campaign trail, actually. Uh, my family is not from this state, but in the state that I'm from, my dad uh, was very heavily involved in a campaign for a, a countywide ballot measure for uh, increasing uh, increasing uh, sales tax to go towards children's programs in the county. And it took us a few times to get that passed before um, that, that money could be allocated in that way. And I, so I grew up wearing the t-shirt and going, you know, with my dad to, to events to help, you know, get support for 
that measure. And, you know, at least one of those times when it failed, it came down to like very, very few votes. And, you know, it's one of those things where if you just pushed a little harder in this direction or that, you think, well, how could it have changed? So your vote really does matter, especially at the local level. And so, you know, we really, uh, we really would encourage you to, you know, to be an active participant in that local government when we are, in a way, sort of part of your local government. <laughs> and to that point, I find it understandable but a little embarrassing that in 2016, about 56% of eligible voting age residents actually cast the ballot in that presidential election. And to me, I, I just don't understand how someone looks at the world in whatever election year and goes, I have no preference. I, I feel like I understand the frustration in that a Republican in California or a Democrat in Texas might not feel like their vote makes a difference at the highest levels. But again, when you're talking about those ballot votes, um, you know, here there is the big ballot initiative about millages to fund the DIA and those sort of things. And your vote absolutely makes a difference, especially when it comes to those local races and local ballot initiatives. So there's always the question of does the electoral college itself kind of suppress turnout because of those reasons earlier. But to me, there's always more reasons to vote than to not vote. And if you don't vote, it's not that you can't complain, but you didn't speak up when you had the chance. Sure. Yeah. So in that vein, uh, my final question here before we move on to the resources is what would you say to someone who has never voted or who has never even registered to vote? Do you have advice for them? I would say that people in this country are our national heritage is that people have fought and died for that right. And even though it is your right to not vote, it is your right to vote. So use your voice. I agree. And especially as a woman, too, I do think about, you know, the fight and what people had to go through um, really not that long ago to obtain the right to vote. And um, yeah, use your voice. Don't let it go to waste. And uh, along with what Hillary and David said, don't um, think that my vote doesn't count because you're not the only one that's thinking that. Um, and, you know, if it ends up being so many people have that same mindset, um, things could turn out far different from if you did use your voice and vote. So without all that being said, Hillary, how can we make the average voter into the best voter, which is an educated voter? Yes. So I, I like coming back to our motto. Um, every time I'm on the podcast, you guys are going to hear me talk about the motto. Inform, inspire, include. I think it applies really well to how we can help you feel engaged with your government and feel empowered to vote. So we want you to be informed about how and when to register to vote, how and where to vote safely and securely, about the candidates and propositions on your ballot, and about trusted sources for government data and activities. We want you to feel inspired to participate in the democratic process and to work for change when you think it's needed. And we want you to feel included and heard by those who represent you and to help your voice be heard if you don't feel included now. So with that in mind, I've put together some resources to help you get informed, inspired, included in voting and local government. So I'm going to put all of these on our website. We're going to post them on social media. I know that just listening to a podcast like this, it's hard to jot down a website or that sort of thing while listening. I'm still going to say a few of them because most of them are pretty easy to remember. 
but uh, we will put that information out there in show notes or on our website in some ways you can see these links uh, for ways that you can um, get these resources. So we've talked about it a little bit already. One of the big voter guides we're gonna push because it's great, it's nonpartisan, it's, it's really not pushing one party or another. It's responses from all candidates that submit them and that, that includes more than just the main two parties in this country. That's if there's a libertarian who's given their responses, you're gonna see a mayor green party and so on and so forth. And that's gonna be the League of Women Voters guides. And the websites for those where you're gonna be able to find more information is gonna be vote411.org. And that's also going to let you see specifically your ballot. So you can put in your address and it's going to give you fully your ballot with the option to drill down and see what those individual candidates have said about key questions that have been posed to them. So it's really nice and interactive and an easy way to see what's on your ballot and what those candidates stand for. And then if you wanted to look at other races or if you wanted uh, a lot of the same information is on the uh, Oakland area chapter website which is lwvoa.org so that's league of women voters oakland area.org uh, so like i said we got print guides for those in the library and those websites have a lot of information on them for what's on your ballot and helping you make informed votes but if you have questions about where do i go to vote or how do i request an absentee voter ballot or where do i return that ballot once i have it things of that nature uh, the Michigan Secretary of State has uh, an information center where they've put all of that information. So michigan.gov slash vote is where you're going to go to have all of the answers to the most commonly asked questions. Things I learned while I was there. If you submit an absentee ballot, you can later spoil that ballot if you've changed your mind. Say you submit a vote this week and in a few weeks you're like, ooh, I really don't feel good about that decision anymore. I want to change my vote. You can do that. I did not know that. You could do that all that the way either. up, I believe, wow. until a couple of days before the the elections. You can't spoil your vote on election day, but I believe you can spoil all the way up until the day before, if not at least the Friday before, for sure you can do that. So you have to go, you would have to, I believe, go in person to the clerk's office to make that request and fill out a new ballot. But if you're feeling nervous about voting early because, oh, I'm not so sure, you do at least have that option available to you to spoil the vote. Couple dates to keep in mind. Um, October 19th is going to be your last date to register to vote online or by mail. After that date, you'll have to register to vote in person with your local clerk. And for those of you listening who are in Novi, that's going to be at the Novi Civic Center, uh, just uh, next door to us at the library. And then uh, in terms of requesting absentee voter ballots, uh, you would need to do that by October 30th by mail or online. Although with the way that the mail has been working recently, we really would recommend if you're doing it by mail that you do it earlier than that if you can. Uh, and then you can also do it in person up until 4 p.m. the day before the election at your local clerk's office. So um, if you wait beyond that, you're basically going to your polling place to, to vote in person on election day anyway. So you can't get an absentee ballot on the day of. But up until then, you can still vote absentee. And you do not need to have a reason in Michigan. You also, I believe, as far as I can tell, you are now able to vote straight party again. Now certainly we would encourage you to do your homework and see if there are um, positions down the ballot that you might switch parties on, uh, but I, there there have been different measures that have gone back and forth about taking away straight ticket voting and bringing it back. And as far as I can tell, it will be back, but we still would recommend that you come prepared to that polling place um, and not just um, fill in that single dot at the top, especially because you would still have to vote for the nonpartisan sections and the statewide ballot measures. So. Anyway, those are a couple of really good places to check out. 
Um, if you're looking for more information about those statewide ballot proposals, uh, you can also look at the um, Citizens Research Council of Michigan has information, bipartisan information about those ballot measures. So uh, you can check out their website for more information on those. Um, and then also another just plug for that League of Women Voters on the Oakland area website, you will find they've actually done some research to pull together a document that has all of your local representatives at all at all levels of government. So it starts all the way up to the president and your, you know, your U.S. Senator and your U.S. representatives all the way down to city council. Um, and so you can go on their website and see the full list of who represents you and their contact information. So if you are feeling like you your voice is not being heard, you want to reach out to a local representative at any level, you can use that website to figure out a reputable way to contact them. If you, I would imagine for, for most of these people, if you Google their name, you're gonna find you know a, a good website to contact them. But I know sometimes it can be difficult to suss out what's a good source for me to find this information. Who's reputable? Is this just a Facebook page put together by a fan? Is this you know the real deal? So I really appreciated that they took the time to do that research and, and put together an, an, a comprehensive list of your representatives. Um, and so we'll have links to some of those on the website as well. But um, definitely check that out if, if you want to be following up directly with your representatives about any concerns. Now we have a little small election uh, going on in the library at the youth uh, display near the first floor information desk. We have uh, just a dogs versus cats kind of election. So fill out your ballots, whether you think dogs are better or cats are better. You might be wrong, but you can fill out your vote anyway. <laughs> and there's a big, uh, there's a big plastic jar to put your votes in. And Miss Linda, I believe, is one of our youth librarians who's running that, and she'll she'll determine the winner of that. Yes, and our youth department has also put together a fabulous display of books for kids about voting and about elections and about women's suffrage. I think there's some books in there on that too. So if you've got kids who are asking questions like mine have been about voting and about elections and, and they even though they can't vote they still want to learn more we do have a display by the first floor information desk with that information as well okay well hillary thank you so much for informing our audience of all these fantastic voting information resources Okay, folks, that has been our episode for today. Before we go, though, let's listen to what each of us are reading, watching, or listening to. Miss Danielle, would you like to start? Absolutely. So I did mention that I just finished uh, Slade House, and I'm still I'm looking interested in horror. And I actually just checked out from the library today uh, a new book. It's called Don't Turn Out the Lights, and it's a tribute to Alvin Schwartz's Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark which was one of my absolute favorite series growing up. I loved how it freaked me out. <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to see if these, um, this compendium of news stories is just as scary as those. I remember reading those and some of the artwork still yes, the sticks artwork, with me. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm excited. Hillary, how about you? Yeah, I cannot handle horror. It is not my genre. I appreciate that there are librarians <laughs> who can, so you guys can give the recs for that. Uh, but 
Uh, not that my recommendation is actually a whole lot less gory, it's just not horror. Uh, so I just read a fantasy debut that I just adored um, that is called The Rage of Dragons by Evan Winter. I believe it's a debut novel. It's the first of a series. I think it's going to be at least four books. The second one comes out in a few weeks. It is, uh, it's about a, an African-inspired fantasy world of a culture that is at war uh, and has been at war for hundreds of years. And um, a single man who is um, looking for uh, revenge against uh, some, some people who uh, you know, has, have done his family wrong and goes into the military to try and achieve that aim. Um, and there are dragons and, uh, you know, sort of magical abilities and things like that. It is a great read-alike for any of you who enjoyed the Red Rising series by Pierce Brown a few years back. Um, it's got a lot of those same themes of, like I said, revenge and sort of the you know, the unlikely hero and the class struggle between the nobility and the common person and um, just that kind of epic fantasy um, genre. It was very, very good and I highly recommend it for those of you who enjoy high fantasy. Awesome. That sounds really interesting. I might have to check that out. And I have been watching the final season of The Good Place featuring a local uh, Kirsten Bell. She's from Huntington Woods, I believe. Uh, and I'm reading The Boat Runner by Devin Murphy, which is available on Hoopla, and I'm leading our Book for Lunch um, discussion on that next week. And I also just picked up, for when I finished that book, uh, I picked up the book called Play Hungry, The Making of a Baseball Player by Pete Rose. So he's, he's the all-time hits leader in baseball, but he's not exactly the most uh, conventional figure. He's he's always been a little controversial, sh shall we say. Um, <clears throat> not too many sports have their lifetime leaders in whatever category banned from the Hall of Fame. So I look forward to reading up a little bit about that. And with that, um, that is our episode for today. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, and on our website, we have a Beyond Books podcast page that you can always listen to the current episode as well. So that's all we have for you today. We hope to inform you. We hope to inform you. We hope to inspire you. And we hope to include you. Thank you for listening. <laughs>